0: Welcome to the Dick Schroeder podcast. Dick draws his teaching from a deep well of love for the Bible and 50 years of strategic ministry among university students. Enjoy this episode and remember, your Father in Heaven loves you. Lord, I want to thank you for each person that has come today. I want to thank you, Lord, for Rick Howard's teaching. I want to thank you, Lord, how you are very clearly speaking to our hearts, Lord, and I I appreciate that. And I pray, Lord, that you will open our hearts, that you will speak through your word, Lord, and that you will help us to learn and to grow, Lord, as we investigate this, this issue of you speaking to us, Lord. Bring clarity, Father, and I pray that you will instruct us from your word as we look into it now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hearing God's voice. This is a this is a touchy subject for many of us for, for a couple of reasons. Because when you, when you talk to someone or, or, or when you hear someone say, I heard God speak to me, we can have really, really a couple of reactions. One is that if we, if we come from a, a background where we've been taught against God speaking, and if if we've been taught that that god has given us the bible and that's all that we need we don't need to hear any kind of voices or leadings then see then immediately if we've been taught that when we hear someone say god spoke to me you're real uncomfortable with 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 hearing something like that and and i don't think that's a biblical stance i believe god does speak to us and i believe that as New Testament believers, the Lord can impress us and teach us by, by his Holy Spirit. But some of us have, have seen things go on to the other side where, where things have gotten real wacko and weird. You ever met someone like that? You know, God told me to do this. And, and you just get, you get this feeling that, man, this, this is weirdness what this person is into. And I've seen people do all kinds of things under the guise of God told me. And so what I'm trying to do through our time together is to try to bring us to a biblical balance in the center. Not out here where we're getting all weird and wacko. Uh, Some of you I'm sure have heard stories of this one comes to mind of this couple who's, um, they had a child who was sick and, and needed a blood transfusion and they refused to take the child for medical help because they said God told us not to do it and their child died. And of course, you know, that there's something about that, that 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 doesn't bring glory to God, and it tends to prejudice people and it makes people think that we as Christians are weird, you know that we're into, into this nonsensical weirdness, you know and when when people see things like that, then it just they think, well, you know that's what Christianity is. And um, unfortunately the 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 enemy, the powers of darkness, can can also put suggestions and impressions into our minds. And we need to be careful and discerning so that we're able to kind of discern and boil down what God wants us to do. Some of the positive things that, that I, I'm sure we've seen is that as you've heard the testimony of a missionary and as he testifies that God spoke to me to go to this country. And, and he shares stories of how God has used him. And it's obvious that God has spoken to this person and, and and we hear those kinds of testimonies and we rejoice in saying, yeah, God, God does God does speak to us. See, all of us are on a spiritual journey. We're, we're all on a place where, where we're moving into God. We're all moving into a place of more maturity. As Rick Howard's been talking to us about the race. We're running a race, aren't we? And that race has conflict, that race many times has unexpected turns in our lives but we're we're all moving somewhere and that that's that, and that 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 journey that we're taking is to get to know God better that's why God's left us on the earth during the years that we live is that he wants us to get to know him better and he uses all of the evil and sin and things that happen in the world and to our lives in order to he'll use that to reveal himself to us in a greater way and so on this on this spiritual journey part of what we learn i believe is the ability to discern God's will and and to hear His voice and to be led by the Spirit in a more careful way. I'm going to try to share with you in in the four sessions that we're together some of the things that I've I've learned in my own spiritual journey. I've been a Christian 16 years now. I became a Christian right at the time where most of you are. I met met the Lord my senior year in college, and I didn't know much about the Bible. I was raised in a mainline church and, and just knew I knew some of the religious r- ritual our church went through, but i didn 't really know anything about the bible i can i don 't think I ever remember reading the Bible in my family and i thought I thought church just meant going to church on Sunday and doing what you did for an hour there, and that was what christianity was and through a, a time of searching in college when I went through a very deep philosophical church or, or, uh, search in the late sixties. In the early 70s, really trying to answer the question of what is the ultimate meaning to life and really desiring to live my life for something useful and something that would really count. That was a very important question to me. And the different avenues that I tried to find answers always ended up in dead ends. And, and I experimented with drugs. I got involved in, in the immorality and all of that kind of stuff. I imbibed of the the things that this age has to offer, and it always left me frustrated. And but I knew deep inside that there had to be something ultimate to live for. And the, right at the end of my senior year, the the Kai Alpha group in Bozeman brought Barry Maguire to campus, and I was there. I was I was there as um a, a, I was hired to do the sound for this concert. And so I had I had known Barry Maguire when he was a singer for the New Christy Minstrels in, in the sixties, and I thought, wow, this would be good to hear this guy. So I was there doing the sound, and, and Barry had become a Christian two years ago, and, and for an hour and a half he sang about Jesus, and he and he sang about what Jesus had done in his life. And I was so impacted by his testimony that that I said, Boy, this is this must be what I was looking for, is Jesus. And and Jesus made himself real to me that night. There was no altar call or anything, but I left that concert. Knowing that it's Jesus, that's who I have to seek after, and so I had a, a little Bible on my shelf that, that a campus crusade person had given me about a year before. It was called "Good News for Modern Man." I figured, you know, I'm a modern man and I could use some good news, and so I got this Bible, but I never read it. I just put it on my shelf. and And after this concert, I, I took the Bible down, and it was in you know, it's a modern language translation, so I could read it, not like the King James. And I started reading these stories of Jesus and they just came alive. And I, and I just couldn't believe. I, I thought, why didn't somebody teach me these things? Why didn't somebody tell me that Jesus said these things? And everything he said was so relevant to life, to where our society was at, to where the world was going. All of the things I was wrestling with for the first time I was finding answers for in the scripture. And that, and that was really the beginning of, of my spiritual journey and from, I mean, that was 16 years ago. I've been at 14 salts. Had the privilege of being here for 14. This is my 14th time. And every time I come, I'm at a different place in my spiritual journey. I've, I've walked another year with the Lord. I've learned a few more things. Hopefully I've matured and, and been a little wiser on, on how I can run the race. I've never run the race perfectly. I've stumbled just like all of us will stumble. And, it, and, and like Rick Howard has been telling us, that living the Christian life doesn't mean you bat 100% all the time. But what it means is that we stay on the track, and when we get off the track, we get back on with the Lord. If we disobey, we repent, and we get back on, and we follow what the Lord is wanting us to do. And through these ensuing years, I've, I've, I've begun to learn to hear God's voice and to learn to recognize when his spirit is prompting me in, in in to do certain things, to go in certain directions. And um, in the next couple of days, I want to share a lot of stories of, of how I've learned things and, and things I believe that uh, hopefully will encourage you and, and strengthen you. I want to share today, though, I want to look at some biblical basis for us hearing the voice of God. There are three basic things that I, I believe we need to be aware of when we hear his voice. And and first, uh, for the first principle is to realize that God created us for intimate fellowship with himself. See, God's whole purpose in creating the human race was so that he might have intimate fellowship with him. And so we might know him, that we might communicate with him. Isn't it neat to know that God didn't create just a bunch of slaves and robots? He didn't create just a bunch of errand boys and errand girls to do his bidding, but he created beings that could share in his thoughts, that could share his desires, that could share his perspectives. That's what it really means to be a human being created in the image of God, is that we can share all of that with God. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, we read this. This is right after Satan's temptation. And it says, And when they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The point that I want to make here is that apparently God would come to them at certain times of the day and, and, and God and Adam and Eve would have these little chats. And, and um, since they were managing the garden, I suppose if they had questions about how to manage the garden, they could, they could directly ask God as he would manifest his presence in some kind of tangible way. And, and they would talk, and they would, they would have this wonderful sense of fellowship. And I believe that this is what Jesus has brought us back to. And when we are saved, and when we are reconciled back to God, we are reconciled back to that kind of fellowship with the Father. We who before we knew God, we were aliens. We were alienated in our minds through sin and darkness, the book of Ephesians tells us. And when I'm reconciled to God, I'm reconciled not just to go to heaven, that that comes with the package deal, but I'm reconciled into a relationship with him. And if I'm going to have a relationship with God, then that means I need to have two-way communication, doesn't it? I need to talk to him, that's what prayer is, and then I need to listen to him. See that? So it's a two-way communication between us and the Lord, because there's really no fellowship without communication. And communication can't just be a one-way thing. But it's a two-way thing. And the Lord desires to communicate himself to us. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, this real interesting man here named Enoch. And it says that, uh, Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And, and th- you get this picture of this man that when he, was, when he, when he, when he, when he reached a certain age, he, he learned to walk with God. And he walked with God, and, and finally one day the Lord just got so excited, he just snatched him right up into heaven. He, just, he didn't die. He just got translated right into heaven. And, and Enoch is a man that learned to walk with God. He learned to walk in the presence of God and learned to have that kind of fellowship with God. Doesn't that kind of make you hungry? Not make you hungry to that that we can know God to that depth where we have that kind of fellowship and interaction with Him. So I believe that's a potential that we all can have as we walk in this, in this spiritual journey. In John 8:47, there's two scriptures in John that talks about hearing the voice of God that are, that are very important. In John 8:47, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here, and he says this, He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. So one of the conditions of hearing the voice of God is that our hearts need to be pointed towards the Lord. We need to be of God, and in that sense, we need to be submitted to the King, and we need to be willing to do His will. If we 're not willing to do his will, see then we 're not of God, and we're then we 're not a Christian, and we 're alienated from God, and in in essence we 're god's enemy. But when we are of God, we will hear his voice that 's what jesus says says to us, and so I can be assured that as as i 'm a Christian and as i 'm wanting to follow the Lord, then the Lord is going to teach me to hear his voice and then john eighteen thirty seven John eighteen thirty seven Jesus is talking to Pilate. And they're having this conversation. And Jesus said, Pilate therefore said to Jesus, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a, kin, a king. For this reason I am born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So this is a second kind of condition to hearing the voice of God. One is that you have to be of God and that has to do with us being submitted to doing the will of God. And the second is that as I'm submitted to the truth in my life, then I'm going to hear the voice of God. See, as I'm, as I'm committed to truth 100%, I'm going to hear the voice of God. So the Father, He created us for intimate fellowship. And, and one of the, I think one of the things that God the Father looks forward to is times when we can fellowship with Him. He longs for that he desires to speak to us far more than we even would desire to hear him he desires to communicate with us because he's our father uh, kind of a second condition to hearing our principle of hearing god's voice is is the lesson that we learn from parenting I'm a parent of two children I have a little girl that's three and a half and a little boy that's almost seven and I have learned so much about the father heart of God by being a parent. And when when you have children of your own, there's just something so special and there it's just hard to describe the kind of attachment that a parent has for a child. And and I and I I've seen in the last few years that that's the way the father is attached to all of us because we're his. He created us. We we're 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 the products of his loving hands and and just as it would be so unnatural for a parent to turn away from a child that's unnatural affection because it's just such a natural affection that god gives you there so in the same way it would be totally unnatural for god the father to turn his affection away from us and one of the things that you we, we there's some of the people here that have young children some of the campus ministers and if you watch people interact with children, they always talk to them, don't they? You know, you get this little baby here, you know, and people will come up and say, well, how are you doing there, you know? And they'll say, well, what's your name? And they'll start, uh, you know, making faces and going through all these gestures. And they communicate. We just naturally do that. We communicate with with our children. And, you know, the amazing thing is that our children respond. I think our, our little, uh, my little son, David, See, when he was in the womb and when my wife got pregnant, I started talking to my son when, when he was in, in Joy's womb. And so I'd lay my hands and I'd pray for him. And I, when she got real big, I'd, you know, do that and say, hey, I can't wait till you come out. You know, who, you know, he or she didn't know which one it was at that point. But I was I was communicating to them. And then the, the, during that first year, I, I tried to spend an hour a day with with my child I just that was just a mental commitment that I made that I'm going to invest myself into this child. So I helped with the changing of the diapers and you know just taking care of my my son. And I, I would talk to him and I'd hold him up and tell him you know wh- what great things we were going to do together. And I told him that Jesus loved him and you know and most of the time he was just you know I mean <laughs> I, you know there wasn't much response there. And, and, and until he started to grow, and and then there was response. He'd start looking, and I he we'd talk, and and he'd hear my voice, and he'd look over at me, and then came that day at about three months when he gave his first little little smile, you know, and you're just all right, you know, and you get this response, you know, from this little child, and then from there on he began to respond more and more, and and my my son and I are really close, man. We're we're good buds together. He's almost seven now. And I attribute that the strength of relationship that we have because we started building that right from almost from the day of his conception. Because I was communicating with him and telling him that I loved him and that he was special to me. And although a little child's mind doesn't comprehend anything at that age because their mind isn't developed yet, and yet, and yet their spirit does. See, that spirit is like a little tape recorder and it's picking up things. And that little spirit is picking up the love that you that you give to children. You ever noticed how how children respond to love? Little kids are amazing. You love them, boy. They'll just they're like heat-seeking missiles. Boy, they'll just seek out people that love them. They sense. See, they know. They don't know much IQ wise, but they know love, and they'll they'll size you up pretty good, pretty fast. And if you're a person of love, and if you're Approachable, little kids will, will will sense that, and they'll they'll come up to you and they'll talk to you and they'll respond to you because see their their they're spirit,' they're, they're walking more by their spirit than by their intellect. And the kind of ministry see that we have towards towards our children, it, it begins right from conception, and, and this is where a lot of our self-image, I believe, is formed. Feelings that we have about ourselves begin right from conception. And it's so important that we, Oh, this message this morning that Rick gave was so right on target about dealing with offenses. Because boy, you guys, if you don't deal with things in your life, you will perpetuate them upon others, including your children. It's just the way life is. The laws of sowing and reaping and just the way God has made things. If we don't deal with things in our heart, there's going to be a payback someday. And tragically, it's many times going to be played out in the next generation through our children. And if you let the Lord deal with offenses and and hurts and pains and stuff in your life now, you're going to have a good heart of love. You're going to be free from that offense so that you can minister positive things to your children. So in the same way, see, God speaks to us. See, God has that same fatherly heart and he wants to communicate I I bet that that God is just so pleased the first time we begin to recognize His voice. And remember, remember, remember Samuel when he was a little boy. Remember he was uh, he was a gift from God. His mother was barren, and it was a real reproach in that culture to not have children. So Hannah was crying out to God, "Oh God, give me a child." she said, "If you give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you." And God answered her prayer, gave her a child. And when the child was old enough to to be weaned, he lived with the he lived with Eli up in the temple and was raised by Eli. And remember Samuel started coming to, to Eli and, and, and he said, did you call me? And old Eli goes, no, I didn't call you. Go to bed, you know. So he goes back to bed. And he comes back again. And he said, you called me. And Eli goes, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And finally, Eli gets it through his thick skull that God's talking to him. Because the Lord was saying, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel would say, here I, here I am, Lord. But but he didn't understand it, it was God speaking to him. And then finally Eli realized that it was God speaking to him. So he said, Samuel, now when Sam when God speaks to you, say, Here am I, listen, I'm willing to listen. And so Samuel begins, and he has a, a powerful ministry in the Old Testament. And he started hearing the voice of God at a very young age. And so these see this model of parenting is, is I think, is a real similar way that we come into hearing. The, 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 the voice of God and as God wants to speak to us and, and direct our lives. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in a parable. And he's giving them the parable of the seeds and the sower. And after he had spoken the parable, the disciples took Jesus aside and they said, uh, Lord, we don't understand this parable. What, what do all these things mean? And then Jesus explained the parable to them. See, And he kind of unraveled the mystery of what he was saying. And you know that as we develop communion with God, as we develop our relationship with God, the Lord will explain things to us that we don't understand. See, there's a lot of things about God that are a mystery, aren't they? You, you know that? And the older you get, it seems like the in, in one sense, the more mysterious God gets. Because he's just so big and awesome. And the, the Bible says that my ways are not your ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways above your ways. And and God is hes just so big and smart and, and different than I am. I just can't begin to understand his ways. Now, I can know him and know his character, but he's just full of surprises. He's just an awesome God. But as I will get close to him and as I will approach him with the right attitude of heart he will begin to reveal his secrets to me. He'll begin to reveal the things that, that I desire to know, things that I don't understand. The normal Christian life is, is then to hear God's voice. To not hear God's voice is, a, is, a, is abnormal. Just It would be totally abnormal for us not to hear our parents speaking to us. So in the same way, the normal Christian life is to learn to hear the voice of God. The third principle I want to give you here is that we desperately need to hear God's voice in order to hear His plan and will for our lives step by step. See, we desperately need to hear God's voice in order to hear His plan and will for our lives step by step. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe I need to hear from God. I I need to walk According to where he wants me to go, i need to I need to do the things that he wants me to do. I desperately need that. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that confirm this jeremiah ten twenty three jeremiah ten twenty three these are beautiful little nuggets that I've found in the scripture as as I've mined the scripture and read the Bible year after year. These are little nuggets that, as you're reading and meditating, the you know the Lord just quickens by the Holy Spirit, and they're wonderful truths. Jeremiah 10.23, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. See, Jeremiah realizes that the, 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 the wherewithal to walk through life as a successful Christian, it's not within me. I need God to guide and direct me. There's a scary proverb, and it's I, I don't I didn't, couldn't find the address of what, where this was, but it's in the book of Proverbs a couple of times. It says, all the ways of a man are right in his own eyes. Have you read that one? See, all the ways of a man are right in his own eyes. And that means that every person rationalizes his way to make so that he's comfortable with himself. And he does that by compromising truth. And that's what it means to walk in darkness. And every human being does this. They compromise truth and they create a world where they can be sinful and and get away with it. See, that's walking in darkness and, and walking in an illusion. And that's why I need the word of God continually coming into my life because the word of God comes like a plumb line. And the word of God exposes my rationalizations. It exposes where I am twisting truth and being deceitful. And Jeremiah tells us, in chapter 9, that the human heart is deceitful, it's wicked, and who can understand it? And that's the way we all are on a heart level. We rationalize things and we blame other people. We're, we're just filled with that kind of stuff. And see, Jesus has to come in and remodel all of that. He wants to take us out of the darkness and teach us to walk into the light. And so, see, I need to hear from God so that I'm not just living life the way I think life should be lived, but I need to be saying, Lord... Guide me and direct me and show me what your plan is. Proverbs 20 and verse 24. Proverbs 20 and verse 24. Man's steps are ordained by the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? This verse really signifies the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereignly moving in our lives. God is able to get us to where we need to be. And 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 seeing as as I become more acquainted with the ways of God and how He wants me to move, then I will be more effective in my ministry for Him. All of you have seen, uh, you know, in cartoons and stuff, a thing called a maze. You know, and, and usually you see the top view of the maze, and you know the the person is on one side and he needs to get to the goal on the other side. And there's all these kinds of fences, and there's only one path through this this maze of channels and and blocks and things. There's only one way to get through. And when you look down from the top, it's fairly easy to see the path, isn't it? Well, yeah, you just go this way, this way, and then you'll get there. But if you're in the maze, you don't know what to do, do you? And see, God, he sees, his perspective is an eternal perspective, and he sees from above. He knows the whole maze. And here I am faced with decisions. Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? What do I do, Lord? The Lord says, go to the left. So you go to the left. Then he says, go to the right, go to the right. And at the end of your life, if you will obey the word of God and the the impressions of the Holy Spirit, you'll get through the maze in a way that'll glorify Jesus. And you'll you'll have a successful ministry. I'm afraid that a lot of many Christians just live their life and do their own thing. They just they just go through life living the way they're going to live and 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 you know, they may go to church or Prayer meetings and and whatnot, but they just kind of live life the way they're supposed to live, and I think we miss the maximum from God, and I think the Lord wants us to wait upon Him to be quiet before him, and just to be asking, you know, Lord, what what do you want me to do in this situation? Because God will take the responsibility to guide us if, if we are open if you know if we're open to hearing and obeying what He would tell us to do, the scripture is full of examples. Where the Bible says, "And God said," and God spoke to Moses, and God spoke to David, and God spoke to the apostles in the Book of Acts. I mean, it's it. You read the Bible, and you realize that the living God is a God who communicates, and that is a, And see, we 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 tend to think sometimes in in, a, in our in our theology that yes, God spoke to Moses, and yes, in heaven God will speak to everybody, but what about right now? And, and that's, that's where sometimes we get the, this tension comes in like, oh no, do I got to hear God's voice now? Yeah. And it's a learning process. It's something we learn to walk into. I want to stress that. It's a journey that we're on, that we, we learn to hear and discern the voice of God. Now I want to give you three conditions that we need to fulfill in order to hear the voice of God properly. These are three bottom-line foundations that need to be in our lives. Three conditions for us to fulfill in hearing the voice of God. The first one is faith. The first thing that we need to have in our hearts is faith. We we, We have faith in two things, really. One, we have faith in the promises of God. And secondly, and probably more important, we have faith in the character of God. So, we have faith in who God is. And because we know who He is, then we can trust what He says to us. And I can trust His promises. Think of this. Let's let's pause for a moment to think of who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the living God. He's the God of all knowledge. Does God have the answer for any problem? Yes, because He has all knowledge. What's God's IQ? Infinity, right? That means he knows everything that can be known. So his IQ is way up there in, in infinity, at infinity. So he can tell us what to do, can't he? So we're going to the right source when we talk to him. Think of this. God communicates with every person on the face of the earth, and he communicates with them in their own language. And he does that simultaneously. See, because the Holy Spirit is working on every human being on the planet, isn't he? The Holy Spirit is working, convicting, trying to tug, to draw people to Jesus and try to draw them to truth, to convict them of sin. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what an awesome thought to contemplate that God does that for every human being at the same time. You know, that's that's over 5 billion of us now living on the planet. And everybody is hearing from God. And God is in intimate communication. Now, they're not all Christians, but he loves them. And he is doing everything that he can to reach out to them. Oh, well, that, is, doesn't, that should our response to that is that faith should rise in our hearts and say, Oh man, God, if you could, if you can handle all that, certainly you can guide and direct my little life. And God is a God of wisdom. The Bible says God is all wisdom. So He can tell us the when and the how. He can answer those kinds of questions in Psalms 127 and verse 1. The scripture says that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers work in vain. And see, God has the wisdom to build a house that will endure to eternity. See, the scripture gives us us the wisdom of God. And if we will follow the wisdom that God has given us in the Bible, we will reach eternity and not be ashamed. We will have successfully negotiated through life. See, we'll have made the, we, we will have had the, the, the road map by which we can make right decisions in this life. And that's why God's given us the Bible in order to do that. And God, because he's holy, he's not going to give you an instruction that is going to violate his law. He's all of, all of what, he, what God speaks, he comes out of his holiness. And therefore, God's not going to give you an instruction that is going to violate his law. So God is not going to tell you it's okay to steal. God is not going to give you special permission that it's okay for you and you to have premarital sex. I mean, right, immediately you know those are not from God because God doesn't violate his law. So There's a lot of this stuff. We can just immediately discern what's from God and what's not from God because he never violates his moral law. And because God is all-loving, the the Bible says God is rich in loving-kindness, Not only does he have all knowledge and all wisdom and he's holy, but he, out of his fatherly heart, desires to communicate with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to have that kind of intimacy. In Hebrews 11.6, this is another passage that's really familiar to us. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please please God. We've got to believe that he's there. We've got to believe that he is the God of the Bible. And uh, as Francis Schaeffer wrote a book to this effect, the God who is there, he is there and he is not silent. And we've got to believe that the God of the Bible is really out there. And when I pray, he's going to hear my prayer. That's what becoming a Christian really is all about. So we start reacting and living with the God who's really out there. He's not just a myth. This is not just a a book of nice advice, but we are dealing with the God that that wrote this and gave this revelation to mankind. We could look at many, many scriptures in the Old Testament where where over and over the, the, the Lord speaks to us about hearing his voice. And, and, and it's interesting, you never read in the Bible where God says, listen, listen to my rule book or read my rules, but it's always listen to my voice because it's a person who's speaking to us. It's not just a rule book, but it's a person that is speaking to us. Exodus 15, 13 is, is one such example out of many. Probably the best New Testament example is in John chapter 10. I'd like you to turn there with me and we're going to look at a couple of verses there. John chapter 10 Verses 3 and 4. John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Isn't Isn't that a precious word picture that the scripture gives us? That if we know Jesus... And if we have made him our shepherd, then we're going to know the voice of the shepherd. And we're also going to be able to learn the voice of the stranger. And it says that the, the sheep will not follow a stranger because they know the shepherd's voice. See, this is this process of learning what, is, what impressions are from God and what, are, what impressions are from the enemy. In verse 20, uh, verse 13, it says, uh, excuse me, well, verse 27 it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so if you're a sheep, then the Bible says you can hear God's voice and you can know him. You know, all of us are, you know, in this room today, there are all kinds of signals in this room. There's television signals, there's shortwave signals, there's satellite signals, radio stations, but, but we're unaware of it because we don't have a receiver, do we? If we had a radio, we we could turn it on and we could tune in whatever stations are coming into this building right now. And that's that's the way I see this discipline of learning to hear God's voice. It's not that God is not speaking as much as I need to learn to tune my radio into what God is saying to me. See, I need to learn to hear and listen to what God is saying to me. And 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 so I don't think we have to twist God's arm and say, okay, God, talk to me, you know, and try to make him say something. No, I think the Lord is communicating with us far more than any of us realize. And if we just can learn to discipline our minds and our spirits to be more quiet, and if we take time to be quiet, that's such an essential. We'll I'll talk about that in, in a couple of days. The discipline of being quiet, because we have to have that inward tranquility, that place where we can hear from God. And if, we're, if our thoughts are always you know, consumed by music and television and other things, it's, it's like the, the roar is so loud we, we won't hear God. So we have to learn to kind of turn the roar down and, and get to a place where we're more quiet and more tranquil within our own hearts, and, and, and allowing the peace of God to, to rule more fully in our lives. And then we're at a place where we're going to hear more and more what God is saying to us. Psalms 23, beautiful psalm of God's guidance. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or I won't lack for anything. He makes me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod and his staff they comfort me. It says God prepares a table before the before our enemies. It's like our enemies are out there, ready to get us, and God says, "Sit down, have a feast." You see, that's God's approval. That's, that's God's blessing on your life, in, in, in the face of, of an intimidating and hostile world, a world that's hostile to the truth and hostile to Christianity. God says, "I'm going to make you a little banquet right here, and you sit down and enjoy it." He says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall be with me all the, days, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." See, that's a, that's a promise of guidance for us. Do you see Jesus as your shepherd? Do you see the Lord as being the Shepherd that you don't have to be the, the uh, master of your own destiny anymore? That responsibility does not have to lie on your shoulders, but you can give that to Jesus. And Jesus is the good Shepherd, and so say He will teach me, He will help me with all the major decisions in my life. He's going to help me with the issue of marriage. He's going to help me with the issue of what career he's going to. He's going to help me find the right job that that, that I should have. He's going to help to put me with the right group of people that I can influence for the Lord. See, he's going to do all of that. But I've got to let him be my shepherd. And I've got to relinquish that responsibility to him and then walk in humility before him. Another good verse on guidance is Psalms thirty-two, eight. David has, is such, has so many great examples from his life of, of how he sought the Lord and, and how he, he tried to listen for what God was saying in different situations. And this uh, this psalms Psalms thirty two eight is a very meaningful verse to me. This is God speaking, and it says, "I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you." Isn't that neat that that God will? It's like He's going to keep His eye on us. And uh, I I know that when uh, I'm working with my children, I can give them a certain look, and and my boy will know that. He better stop doing what he's doing. I mean, I can just look at him and he he goes, okay. I mean, he he just comes right into line because I can guide him with my eyes. I can communicate to him and no one else in the room, unless maybe they're really watching closely, they might not even be aware of it. And I can look at him in a certain way and and he'll respond in obedience. Or I can look at him in another way and he knows that I'm going to try to get him or something. And we're going to go play a game. I mean, I can communicate all kinds of different things by just by watching his eye. And this is how close that we can be with the Lord. that as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, I can watch him and he can guide me just with the nod of his head or a certain look that he would give me, that I would be that sensitive to him and, and that obedient to him. That's what we can shoot for. And the next verse says, do not be as the horse or the mule which have no understanding whose trappings include a bit and a bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise they will not come near to you see that David uses the example here of a of a a wild mule that you have to put a a bit and a bridle on you 've got to lead them and and sometimes even then they don 't want to do what you 've told them to do and and and, and, and david says don 't be like that don't don 't be out there kicking around and doing your own thing don 't live in life by your agenda. But it says submit to the lord 's agenda because if you have understanding you 'll do that, and then the lord doesn 't have to put a bit and a bridle in your mouth to make you obey, but you'll you obey because you know him and you watch him and you love him. That's what the Lord wants. He wants us just to be able to behold him and take our instructions from him. This verse was was uh, made real to me in a very interesting way. After Shortly after I became a Christian back in 1973, I heard about a group called Youth with a Mission. And about six months after I became a Christian, I went to one of their schools, a discipleship training school. Going to a YWAM DTS is like going to spiritual boot camp. It's like going to marine camp, because it was uh, it was a time when God began to strip everything out of my life. And just it was a it was three months of intense dealings by the Holy Spirit. And, and it was a painful time. It was a time when there was more than once when I wanted to run. I was I was in Hawaii going to a school, and I I did. It got so intense that I just thought, oh man, I don't know if I can pay the price that the Lord is asking me to pay. And so it was a very. Uh, it, I look back now; it's a good. It was a good time, but then it was very painful to go through. And and I was wrestling with this thing of total obedience to the Lord. I was I was really counting the cost of what it meant to to give up the rights to my life, to give up the, you know, the right to do what I wanted to do. Because I had had some plans wanting to do this and that. And the Lord was telling me, Dick, I want you to give that to me. And you've got to be willing to to not do those things that you want to do if I have something different for you. And boy, see, I was, I was wrestling with it really wanting, oh God, I don't know if I can really give you, trust you to the, with the, all of that of my life. And we had this, this lady who teaches with YWAM. Her name is Joy Dawson. And she's one of the most awesome women teachers that I've ever known because the holiness of God just emanates from her. And it, it's, it's almost terrifying to be in her presence. And she's not a mean person. I mean, she's a very loving person. But boy, when she speaks, it's, it's, it's like you sense the holiness of God. I think Rick Howard's a little like that. It, 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 some of you felt like it's a little scary what he's been saying. Not not in a bad way, but it's, it's, it, there's an awesomeness there. And that's the holiness of God. Remember when Isaiah saw the Lord in Isaiah 6, he was undone. He was the Billy Graham of his day, probably the most righteous man in Israel. And when he saw the Lord, it just undid him. He said, woe is me. I'm, I'm shot. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a country, a whole nation of people that are unclean because he saw the holiness of God. And that's what I sensed a little bit from this lady teaching. And I was, I was, this particular week she was at our school, I was really wrestling with this thing of leaving. And part of me wanted just to leave the school and get away from God's dealings. And and the other part of me said, no, you've got to stay and do it. And this last night we were together, there was 90 of us in our school. And we were at at this Episcopal church, and we got in this great big circle in a room kind of like this. And the instructions that she gave that night is that we were to wait on the lord and we were to ask the lord who we were to go pray who we were to go and pray with and then as the lord impressed us with who we were to go pray with we would go and kneel before them and then we would re- we would tell them what what our need was and then they would pray for us and that's how the ministry was to happen well i was so i was so filled with anxiety i couldn't hear god's voice and i didn't even want to hear god's voice i was just sitting there you know with my head in my lap kind of stewing in my own juices and the next thing I realized is that someone had come and knelt before me. And I looked down, and there was Joy Dawson, this awesome lady of holiness. And oh, man, I was so nervous. She, she shared a need with me, and I was so nervous. I didn't even know what to do. I didn't. And she helped me. She said, now, you pray this. She was very gracious about it all. And, and then it was uh, my turn, and so I got down on my knees. And I did. I just poured my heart out how I was afraid that, that what God would do to me if I gave him everything and I I just poured my heart out, and I was expecting some kind of rebuke, you know. But she gave me this verse, and the Lord impressed her with this verse, and, and she gave this verse to me, Psalms 32.8. And that was such a comfort to me. And I've and ever since that time, that's been a personal promise that the Holy Spirit has has given to me. And I've and, and, and the Lord has guided me and directed me all these years. And that was, you know, nearly 14, 15 years ago that that came. And God has been faithful to that promise to me. And, I, and I've grown as a result of that. God wants to do those kinds of things to us. He wants to confirm his character. He wants to, to reveal to us at, at certain points in our lives that we can trust him and that we can move on with him in every way. A couple other verses. Psalm uh, Isaiah 30 and verse 21 Isaiah 30 and verse 21. And your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. And whenever you turn to the right or to the left. What a tremendous promise for guidance. See, as we're walking along, the Lord will speak to us. Don't go that way. Go this way. And same in Isaiah 48, verses 17 and 18. Isaiah 48, verses 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your well-being would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. As we listen to these scriptures, we, we, we need to, there ought to be faith rising in our hearts. And we ought as, as, as we look at these many, many promises that God has given us, our, our, our hearts ought to rise in faith and say, Oh, Lord, thank you that I know that you're going to speak to me. I know that you're going to reveal the way that I am to walk in. So I need to have faith. I need to have confidence, and I need to know that God speaks, and he wants to speak to me. Second condition is humility. The second condition we need to have is humility. Psalms 25 and verse nine. Psalms 25 and verse nine, it says, he leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. So the second condition is humility. Pride says, I don't need God. I know how to do things myself. And, And sometimes we demonstrate our pride because we don't seek God. We don't give God a chance to guide and direct us, but we just assume, oh yeah, I should, uh, I should do this and that. Or yes, I should take this job with this company. Or yes, I should move to them. Or yes, I should marry this person. We just make our decisions as it seems best to us. What I think what the Lord wants us to do is to give him some listening time. Just to say, Lord, what, what, do, you, what do you want for me in this? That doesn't mean that everything you do, you have to hear a voice to move on, because that's not thats not real life. But we, at least we give God the ability to speak to us, and we submit things to him in prayer. And that's what, what it, when the Bible, over and over in the Old Testament, talks to us about seeking God, that means we just get away and talk to God about our lives and say, now Lord, are there any instructions that you have for me? I want to do your will. I want to be where you want me to be. And so I'm just just here just when, waiting to receive any instruction that you would have for me. In Luke 1:53, in uh, as Mary is 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 declaring the greatness of God because she's the mother of the savior. She makes this statement in Luke one fifty three. She says, "You have filled the humble with good things, but the rich you have sent away empty-handed." And see, if we're proud, we're going to get sent away empty-handed. It's the humble that God reveals his secrets to. We'll we'll look at this tomorrow. But, you know, Jesus, when he was here, he only did the things that the father told him to do. Jesus didn't just run around doing his own thing. Well, this guy looks like he needs to be healed. So let's heal him or, you know, let's preach to the multitudes today. You know, everything Jesus did, he did because the father told him to do it. Or or somehow the father anointed him and said, son, this is what I want you to do. If this Holy Spirit said, son, it's time to withdraw and pray, what did Jesus do? He withdrew and prayed. If the father said, heal everyone that comes, that's what Jesus did. One day he walks in at the pool of Bethesda and heals one man. There was a bunch of paralyzed people there. And one man got healed that day. Why? Because that's what the father was doing. And see, if we're going to walk in the same way that Jesus walked, and, and, and John, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We walk in the same way. See, I need to hear what the Father wants me to do. And, I, and I, that's a growing awareness that, I'm gonna, that I'll grow in over the years that I walk with the Lord. But I need to be doing what the Father wants me to do. And the Father will indeed show us that. But see, if I'm proud, then I'll just go around doing my own thing. And how many of you know you can do God's work your own way? See, we can we can do the will of God in pride, just doing it out of our, our own ideas and our own strength. Pride is the basis of all prayerlessness. See, when we don't pray, we just assume that, hey, I've got the goods. We you know I don't need God. I I can go and witness. I don't need to pray. I don't and that's a manifestation of pride, you know. Jesus said that apart from me, you can do nothing. And the more we understand that, the more we will be drawn to prayer, not under this legalistic bondage, but I'll just realize, oh Lord, unless, unless you do something here, this is just all vanity. And if we pray, I believe prayer makes a natural encounter a supernatural one. See, when we're praying and we're asking God to use our lives and, and let us be a vessel of his glory, it, he takes the natural events of life and in that natural, he does supernatural things. And people are impacted with the gospel. Humility. God wants us to walk in humility. David is an interesting person to study in the Old Testament because he's a man that sought God. And especially in his early days, you read in the book of Samuel, First Samuel, you read where you know David was, was out on, in battle and he sought the Lord. And he said, Lord, should we go up against the Philistines? And the Lord says, go get him. And they went and got him and they'd be a tremendous victory. And other times he'd say, Lord, should we go and do this? And the Lord say, no, but circle around back and use another strategy. And man, this David was a mighty warrior, but it's because he relied on the strategy of God. And do you believe that God has strategies for reaching people? God has strategies for our campus. God has strategies to reach international students. God has strategies to reach unreached nations in the Earth today. And you see, that doesn't mean we shouldn't learn and, and read and study and use our minds. We should do that. But we do it with an attitude of, "Now Lord, I've learned all this stuff. What do you say about it? And I'm just, see, I'm just in that attitude of openness and humility saying, "Lord, this is your ball game. This is not my ministry. It's your ministry." How many of you know the Great Commission is Christ's great Commission, not ours? It's his responsibility to reach the world. And we just get to get, it, get in on it. See, I get to obey and do my part. But it's Jesus' work. It's the Father's love reaching in, into humanity that's lost. And then finally, the third condition that we need to fulfill is we need to abide in God's word. Oh, I cannot stress this enough. Is that I need to be in a place where I am daily allowing the word of God to impact my life. And what I'm talking about is daily devotions, not out of some legalistic kind of response to God, but a love response to God. I need to have the word of God impacting my life daily so that I can begin to know his thoughts and to know what his priorities are. And because this thing of knowing God because it's a mystery, isn't it? We 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 learn we learn God in degrees, don't we? It's like, I know God so much better than I did 16 years ago, but I still remember that night when I met Jesus. I'll be eternally thankful that I met Jesus that night. But I know him better today. And next year when I come back to salt, I'll know him a little more. Because I want to press on to, to, to stay in the race. And I want to make, I want my life to be useful to him. I don't want to be like the mule. Or, you know, that's got to be reined in to make him do anything. But I want to be an obedient servant. Where the Lord can just say, Dick, go do this. And I'll, I'll have the faith and the courage to step out and do that. Abiding in God's word. I need the impact of the word of God daily in my life. John 8, verses 30-32. through 32, Jesus makes this statement. He says, and he spoke these things. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we need to abide in the word of God. See, if I stay in the word of God... And, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow, with an attitude of obedience. That's kind of the other side of the coin. I need to be doing more than just reading the Bible, but I need, need to be obeying when, when, when the Lord is directing me in an area. And as I do that, see, now I'm going to be in a place where I can, I can discern off-the-wall kinds of things, things that aren't in line with God's will. Now, let me say a word here. There's a difference between divine guidance and common sense, Okay. And this is, where, this is where people start getting off in weirdness. You know, I don't have to pray about whether I should brush my teeth today. You know, that's a common sense decision. If I don't brush my teeth, I'm going to lose my teeth when I'm 60 and not have any to, to chew my meat with. I don't need to ask God whether I can steal or not. I mean, it's obviously, the Bible says don't steal. I don't have to ask the Lord, should I forgive this person, do I? No, because the Bible already clearly says that we're to forgive just as Jesus forgave us. I don't pray about if I'm married, Lord, uh, are you leading me to another mate? And you guys, I, I could tell you horror stories of people that have prayed that stuff, that kind of stuff, and that have gotten their lives into shipwreck because they have they've followed their own impulses thinking it was God, and it wasn't God at all. it was their own selfish desires. And that's why, see, I need the Word of God, our, guide, our guardrails for me. And it'll keep me away from this weird stuff that just leads you into problems. I believe that 80% of the will of God is already written in the Scripture. I believe 80% of everything you need is, is already in this book. And then the other 20% more has to do with, with, with doing the ministry with being in the right place at the right time, having the right words to say to someone, having the right prayers to pray in, in a situation. And I believe that but that part comes from the Holy Spirit. But see, 80% is already here in the Word of God. And if I'm immersing myself in the Word of God, I'm, I'm well on the road to being guided effectively by the Lord. Some people ask me the question, do I need to hear a voice to make a decision? And I tell them no. Because the, the, the policy that I have followed in my life is that I seek the Lord and I pray about a decision that I'm to make. Um, I, am, I am contemplating making a trip next March to Yugoslavia. We have a couple from our fellowship that have been there for two, two and a half years working with Albanian people, and they're, they're seeking to build a church there. And they have invited me to come and to spend a couple of weeks with them and I'm I'm seeking the Lord about that. I'm praying about it. I'm I'm at this point I'm leaning towards going, but I but it that, that hasn't been confirmed in my heart yet, it hasn't been confirmed to my wife and, and stuff. So I'm just seeking the Lord about it. Maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go. But see, I'm leaving it and wanting to do God's will. And many times when I make decisions, I don't hear any voice. I'll just make the best decision that I know to make, but I've done it. After waiting in the presence of God and being open to his alternatives and and then pro- this is probably probably the exception once in a while, very clear guidance will come, and the Lord will say "Do this and i 'll know this is what I am to do and in the next couple of days, I want to share a bunch of examples we don 't have time to get into them today, but I want to share clear examples where that has happened but to be th- this thing of hearing god's voice it 's not the kind of thing that every day you're going to hear voices, do this, go there, stop, go. You're not going to hear that. But at critical times, when the need is there, that's when the guidance comes. And it happens It happens often, but not on a daily basis. But when it does happen, powerful things happen. Because the word of the Lord comes into people's lives, and the gospel impacts them in a, in a great way. It's neat. Things happen. I mentioned to you, I have a son, and trying to disciple him, seeking to disciple him. He's my, my number one discipleship project now. Figured, uh, I've discipled a, a number of other college men over the years, so now I can try it on my own son. And it's and it's working so far. We were, uh, just about a year ago, we were getting ready to go somewhere, and David, my son, had misplaced his shoes. And uh, we were in a hurry to go, and oh, he says, oh, I don't know where my shoes are, you know, and he was whining and stuff. And so my wife just said, OK, David, let's let's stop and let's just ask the Lord where your shoes are. So they did. They uh, they stopped and just prayed a brief prayer and said, amen. And immediately my son just bolted for the closet and said, here they are. And so uh, my wife says, well, what happened, David? And and just in a simple childlike way, he, David just said, well, you know, we prayed. And, and the Lord just put in my mind that they were in the closet. And there he went. And there they were. Hearing God's voice, I believe is that easy. Sometimes we make it to be such a big deal, and it isn't at all and it's It's amazing to watch my son hear from God because he doesn't he doesn't know enough that you can't do that. He's childlike enough where he just asks the Lord, and if the Lord says something to him he he says it we were putting up posters. That last fall, just before school year started, after we came back from salt last year, and Todd, uh, the guy who led worship this morning, he's my works with me on campus, him and David were up putting posters, and most of the buildings were locked because it was on a Saturday. And so they were going around this one hall, and uh, Todd made the comment, oh, I, I think these doors are locked because they're all locked today. And David said, no, it's open. And Todd looks down and goes, what? And David said, well, I asked the Lord, and the Lord says it's open. Well, Todd was wise enough to 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 not belittle him and make fun of him. But he said, okay, well, let's go check. So they went and checked, and it was the only building that day that was open. It was amazing. Hearing God's voice is not that difficult of a thing. God wants, he he wants to hear that. He he wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. Let me look at one other scripture, then we'll close. There's a man in Luke chapter 1 a man named Simeon, and this has always challenged me, the, the the testimony of this man. This is all that's written about him. He's, you almost could miss him in the scripture if you weren't looking closely. Luke 1, verses 25 through 33. I'm sorry, it's Luke 2, I'm sorry. Luke 2, verses 25 through 33. And behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was a righteous and was righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel so he was a man that sought God he was a man that apparently spent a lot of time in the temple praying and what does the lord tell him it says the holy spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the holy spirit that he would not see death before he had seen The Lord's Christ. Now, here's this old guy faithfully serving God. He's just a nobody. Probably not many people even knew him because he was just a nobody. But he was faithful in serving the Lord. And because he was a man that listened to God, God gave him this little tidbit. And he spoke to this old guy and said, You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And he waited day after day, knowing that one day he would see the Messiah. And What happens? He comes in the spirit. I like that. He came in the spirit. See, he was in touch with God. He came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, now, Lord, let your bond servant depart in peace according to your word, for mine eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. Now, this, 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 is this awesome to you? The Pharisees, the most religious people of the day, they crucified Jesus. And here's this little no-name individual, and God tells him that you're going to get to see the Messiah before you die. Doesn't that just astound you that in, in the midst of all the religiosity, they didn't know the Messiah was coming. In fact, they missed him and became his antagonist and his enemy. And here this faithful man, this man humble before God. And as God said, I'm going to bless you, my son. And he gave him that unspeakable privilege of holding baby Jesus before he died. And you guys, that's what God will do to those who are faithful in seeking Him. God will reward the humble, but He's opposed to the proud. And if you want the privilege of being used of God in unique ways, learn to hear His voice, learn to walk in obedience, and learn to know Him. Because can, can you imagine that God has some privileges out ahead? I oh, You know, the Bible says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has entered into the, our wildest imaginations all that God has prepared for those that love him. And we don't have to wait to heaven to get all that. This last 16 years have been the most exciting years uh, that I've ever lived. They always haven't been easy. We've been through a lot of deep waters, but God has been there. And I live an exciting life because I never know what Jesus is going to do next. Man, it's, it, you just never know what the Lord is going to do. If, we, if, if you are living a boring Christian life, then I would dare say that you're not hearing and obeying what the Lord would want you to do. And see, what, just, just what, what, what Rick Howard was saying about this thing of tradition, that's what Hebrews is addressing. And what happens is that tradition takes the place of relationship. And we let our church traditions take the place of walking with Jesus. And when you walk with Jesus, he's gonna al- you're always going to be out there on the growing edge. When you walk with Jesus, you're going to take risks all the time. Because that's where he lives. He lives out there on the edge, right ready to fall off the cliff. But that's where the glory of God is revealed. And that's where effective ministry takes place as we're willing to take the risk of obedience. When we know it's God, we're willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm with you. Count me in. I'll do what you're telling me to do. And great ministry is going to happen. See, if you'll, you'll stay in the race, friends, if you obey Jesus you'll stay on that appointed race that the Lord has for you if you obey the Holy Spirit. And if you if you cease to obey the Lord and start saying, "Well, Lord, I I am going to pull back. I can't quite do that." Then your life is going to get dull and you're going to get religious and you're going to get Pharisaical. That's what happens. And I don't want I don't want that to happen in my life, and I pray that you won't let that happen in yours. Well, Lord, thanks for this time together today. I pray that New faith will arise in our hearts, Lord, that we would be confident as we look into your word, Lord, that you speak to us and that we can hear you and that we in turn can obey what you're telling us to do. I pray for your peace, Lord. I pray for confidence and encouragement to come to each one of my brothers and sisters here today, Lord. Seal this to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Dick Schroeder Podcast. For more teaching and discipleship resources from Dick, visit fatherheartministries.net.